Today, I want to just talk for a few minutes about the fact that we are better together. We are. We're better together than we could ever be apart. We're stronger, smarter, wiser. There, there are things that each one of you can do that I can't do. There are things that I'm good at that you might not be that good at. And if I try to do everything on my own, it's not going to be very good or very effective. I mean, I can do a little bit on my own, but we can do a lot more together. So we're just going to talk around that idea for a few minutes. I've got some scriptures and I've got some cool things that I've never really thought about. Um, so hopefully it, it speaks to you. But just start thinking about that. Like we're stronger together. We're, we're wiser together. We're more effective together. Um, I was thinking about an airplane. Think about an airplane. No one part of the airplane can fly on its own none of them the motor a wing a seat the black box the uh, nothing not one part in the whole entire airplane can fly on its own but when they're all properly joined together and bolted together they can do an amazing thing they can fly thousands and thousands of pounds with hundreds of people in them across the world when they're together but any one of those parts on its own is easily broken. And, and two is not so easily broken, but a three-stranded cord is... I can't think exactly how it's worded. I didn't, I didn't write it down. Three-stranded cord is not easily broken. Right? Three together. So, like I mentioned a minute ago, kids' camp's going really well. It's going great. Um, we just had another chapel service this morning. Pat and Jeannie did, and it was awesome, and everybody got involved but you know why camp's going so good? Because everybody's doing their part. Right now, I'm up here having nothing to do with camp, and they're down there with the kids. I think there's a craft going on right now. Uh, yeah, Miss Peg's doing a craft right now while, while we speak. Another person that's normally sitting in here that's not is down there doing a craft with all of them, and there's counselors and helpers, and it's because everybody's doing their part. And everybody's learning how to do what they're good at. And do what God's gifted them to do. And it all flows together. I can't do camp by myself. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm called to pastor this church. And that this church is called to do camps. But I can't do camps by myself. But I can do my part. We get overwhelmed if we start thinking anything in life is all on us. If you, anything, whatever it is that God's called you to do or be, if you start thinking it's about you and your strength and you got to try to figure it out, you're going to get overwhelmed real quick. And then you're probably just going to quit or burn out eventually. You're not just going to keep on doing it. God designed us to need each other, to need connection, to need community, to need relationships. We're not designed to do it on our own. Anything. God's a community in and of himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We, together, can do camp really good. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. So, if we're a branch and we're connected to the vine, I'm a branch and you're a branch, Lee's a branch, he's connected to the vine that is Jesus, then that means I'm connected to Lee. We're all connected to each other. So if you're connected to him, then you're connected to each other. John said, 
if you say you know God and you don't have love for people, then you don't know God. That's not love. If you can't love people, then there's something there. There's a problem there. We're a team. And no one player can win a game on their own. Think about a football team. You know any football teams that have one player that can win a game by themselves? I don't care how good he is. You can't win on your own. I heard about an interview that uh, Herschel Walker gave. And the reporter said to him, let me make sure I wrote it down so I didn't say it wrong. The reporter asked him the question, don't you get tired of carrying the ball? Because, I mean, they were just feeding him the ball pretty much every, every down, and let's see how far he can get. Don't you ever get tired of carrying the ball? You know what his answer was? It's not that heavy. <laughs> but even Herschel Walker, is, as good as he was, he couldn't win on his own. He knew that he needed his team if he didn't have a line and, and a quarterback, even if all the quarterback was doing was this, but handing it to him, he still he couldn't do it by himself. No matter how good you are, we need each other. God designed it that way. We got to have each other. Paul says that we're a body. We have many members and the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you and so on and so forth all the body parts you can't say to each other I don't need you because we need each other Colossians 2 18 I'm going to read it to you in the message Bible don't tolerate people don't stop right there you can take stuff out of context and then form it out got to keep reading don't tolerate people who try to run your life ordering you to bow and scrape in insisting that you join together what that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions they're a lot of hot air that's all they are see the colossians uh were getting caught up in all the the miracles and the wonders and they wanted to see something special and they, they were they were getting so caught up in the wow of church that they forgot to be the real church to be the church that they're called to be and, and look what Paul says they're completely out of touch with the source of life Christ who puts us together in one piece whose very breath and blood flow through us he is the head, and we are the body. So Christ is the head, and the church is the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as He nourishes us. So He's the head, and we're the body. And a lot of people say, oh, well, I love God, but I just have a hard time with people. Or I don't like, I don't like the church. I love Jesus. But I don't like church. They're just after your money. Or I don't like people because they're... But that doesn't work. That's... You can't back that up with Scripture. It's like if I, I... My wife's sitting up there doing the PowerPoint this week. 
And I can't say that, well, I love Jessie's head, but I, I got a problem with her body. I don't want anything to do with her body. You can't, that doesn't work. There's a breakdown, there's a problem there. We got to love each other. Well, relationships hard. So is school. So is lifting weights. So it, if you want to see results sometimes, yeah, it, relationship is hard sometimes. But it's worth it for the, what you get in the end or what you see. Who else needed people? Jesus. You ever stop to think about that? Jesus, the God-man, the perfect one, miracle-working Jesus had to gather up a team when he got ready to enter into ministry. Got ready to do what God called him to do. He started going around and getting disciples. If anybody could do it on his own, it was probably Jesus. Since he was sin-free and he was all God and all man, like if anybody's going to be able to do it by themselves, it would have been him, but he even had to gather a team. Team of morons. Like it, even Jesus. So I want to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. Okay, ready? You want to be like Jesus? Here's the formula get connected to a team of idiots and serve, love, and give. Doesn't that sound like church? <laughs> yep. <laughs> to be like Jesus. And you're not going to agree with everybody and there's going to be some big mouths and there's probably going to be a thief and somebody that will betray you and stab your back. And there's going to be some people that doubt and there's going to be some people that are good workers and there's going to be best friends and there's going to be people that you end up falling in love with and getting married to. And you're gonna, But it's a team. That's what we're called to do. We want to be like Jesus. Find your team. And serve, love, and give. Ultimately, lay down your life. That's what Jesus did. Literally, he laid down his life. But what came out of it? Changed the world. Him and his little team. It changed the whole world. That's why we're here today. That's why we're here in this church, having a church service, because we believe. You see what was done. That's church. Here Proverbs 13, 20. See. Proverbs 13, 20. Now, you know who wrote Proverbs? Solomon. The wisest man that ever lived. Solomon had all this wisdom. God said, Solomon, I'll give you anything. And, and Solomon asked for wisdom. And look what Solomon said. He that walketh with the wise, with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. But Solomon was the wisest man. And he's saying, you need people. If anybody was wise enough to have wisdom on their own, but Solomon said, he that walketh with the wise with wise men shall be wise oh so if I want to be wise I need to it's 
surround myself with some other people that are wise. So Solomon needed other people. Look at Romans 15, 33. Paul was writing Romans, and I never understood why. I don't know if you've noticed, if you've ever read through Romans, like, it's a great book. It may be one of the best, one of my, it's probably... Maybe my favorite book, one of my top favorite books in the Bible, right? It's an awesome book. And he gets to the end of chapter 15. Romans has 16 chapters. He gets to the end of 15 and he ends it. This is how Paul would end a letter. This, is, this was the end. Look, verse 33 says, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Or the end. It's over. And then, you know how when I get done preaching sometimes, and I'll dismiss, and I'll pray, and I'll say, amen, and turn off the microphone, and then I remember something, somebody reminds me, and I'm trying to turn on the mic and get whoever's in the sound booth's attention, because all y'all are getting up and starting to walk away and leaving. I'm like, hey, wait, 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 I forgot something. That's what Paul does right here. He ended it in chapter 15, and then he said, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, turn on the mic. I got one more thing to say, and then I never really understood why 16 is even in there. What's so important that he sits here, and you can go read it, read all of 16. We won't uh, because of time, but what Paul does is he lists 33 names. 33 people that have helped him in ministry and that are in ministry with him and helping at the church and helping and these women and men that have been key parts of Paul ministering all this time in ministry and then in chapter 16 verse 24 he ends it again the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all amen so he ended Romans and then he said wait I forgot something I couldn't have done it without all these people. Wait, I, I needed this person, this person, this person. And he named 33 different people. And then he ended it again. He ended it and said, oh, wait, wait. I almost forgot something. Here are the names of the 33 that helped me, that partnered with me in ministry. These are the ones that supported me. So Paul needed people. And he put a whole chapter in the Bible as a reminder. He needed people. It's like a turtle on a fence post. He didn't get there on his own. <laughs> he needed some help. Trust me. He did not get there on his own. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, 5 and 6. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. They were tired. But we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings and within were fears. Well, that sounds great. It's a good place to be in. We're troubled on every side. Look at verse 6. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of the Holy Spirit no by the coming of a miracle 
No. By fixing our circumstances. No. By the coming of Titus. He sent somebody to partner with him in ministry. Somebody to be there. Somebody to come and help him. Somebody to be strength. Somebody else. He sent somebody else into their life. When they were in a hard time. In a troubled time. Paul needed Titus. What are you trying to say, Dusty? You need people. The redwood tree, it grows 300 feet tall. It's the length of a football field laying down from end zone to end zone. That's a tall tree. Guess what? The redwood tree's roots only grow five feet deep. Some less than that. But the deepest they'll grow is five feet deep. So you think, how in the world can a tree that stands 300 feet tall, not, why doesn't it just get blown over if it's got such shallow roots? Because a redwood tree will never grow alone. You can't find one alone. They always grow in groups, and their roots intertwine with each other and grow together and fuse together, and it's one giant root system for all the trees and it makes them one of the strongest trees so that they can stand in storms and high wind and but one alone I mean, 20 mile an hour wind would probably blow it over but they don't grow alone they don't try to stand alone their roots are intertwined together you need a root system that's what church is supposed to be it's us getting together and growing our roots together and doing things together and growing spiritually together so that when a storm hits we don't get knocked over we might sway or we might lose a couple limbs but it doesn't kill us we don't get uprooted when a storm hits 1 Samuel 26 6 I'm going to read you just a little part of a story in the Message Bible. And this is when Saul, this is before David was king, and Saul gets together an army of men, and they're hunting David to kill him. They're trying to kill David. And so David's running in the wilderness, and he's hiding out, and Saul's got 3,000 men, and David's only got about 600 men. Between four and six hundred men, but at the most, David's got six hundred. Paul's got three thousand. Saul, excuse me, has three thousand men, and they're hunting David, right? And so they, Saul's men, camp out down at the bottom of a hill, and they're all asleep at night. And David gets this idea that, hey, I'm going to sneak down there into their camp. Well, that's suicide. That's crazy. Well, you feel like God wants you to sneak down there? So that's what's going on. And and look at this. Let's read uh, verse 6. 1 Samuel 26, 6. Taking charge, David spoke to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai, son of Zerah, Joab's brother. And David said... Who will go down with me 
and enter Saul's camp. Well, that sounds crazy. This, what he's asking is, and Abishai whispered. I love that it says he whispered. I'll go with you. Because there's a whole lot of hollering and a whole lot of noise. And there's a lot of people in your life that are willing to make a lot of noise and yell for this and yell for that. But all you need is a whisper. A friend that's close enough, that believes in you enough to say, hey, I'll go with you. I got your back. Hey, you said God told you to do it. I'm with you. What do you need? What can I do? Man, how can my roots strengthen your roots? What, uh, you, oh, you need me to financially back you? I hope not. That's not my part. Um, you need me to, whatever. Hey, I'll go with you. He whispered, I'll go with you. And they went down into the camp. And man, Abner, I, I mean, uh, Abishai thought they were going down there for a fight. He didn't think he was coming back, probably. Because he thought they were going for a fight. It says they snuck down there and all of them were asleep. God caused a deep sleep to fall on Saul and all of his men. And they were all sound asleep. And they came up to Saul. The one that's hunting David, trying to kill him. And Saul was laying there asleep with his spear stuck in the ground right beside his head. And a water bottle on this side of his head. And they snuck in and Abishai's like, yes, God has delivered him to us. There's your enemy. And David's like just looking at him. And Abishai said, let me kill him. I'm going to take his own spear and stab it through him. And it'll only take me one shot. I promise you, one time. It, it won't take two, he said. And David said, no. Touch not the Lord's anointed. That's still God's king. Even though he's after me and hunting me, let's let God deal with that. Let's just take the spear, take the water bottle, and get out of here. So that's what they did. And you can go read the story. But the part I wanted to focus on was that David had Abishai. Abishai, if you do a little more research and look into him a little bit, it, that was actually David's nephew. David had a sister, and Abishai was his sister's boy. And you can see Abishai throughout 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. You see him some in Chronicles, and he was one of David's top three mighty men. He was the commander of David's army. Um, he's the one that fought for David when Absalom tried to take over the uh, take over Israel. He's he was a bad boy. Uh, in 2 Samuel, you can read about Abishai that he killed three hundred men by himself with a spear. That's pretty impressive. David had a tough nephew. David needed somebody to go with him when God called him to do the impossible. God will call you to do the impossible. Chances are you're not going to be strong enough or have the confidence to do what God's calling you to do by yourself. Because then you'll think that you could do it. He made us need people. He makes us have to ask some, hey, I need somebody to go with me. So who's your Abishai? Who's in your life that when you say, God called me to do this, even if it sounds crazy, who will lean over and whisper to you, I'll go with you. I got you. 
I'm going to show you one more thing that Abishai did, and we're going to we're going to close. Second Samuel twenty one fifteen. So remember David, you remember how he really got famous? I mean, he was anointed to be the king, but how he really got famous was killing Goliath. And David turned out to be probably the greatest warrior and leader that Israel has ever known. In, in winning victory after victory, after battle, after battle, after battle, and beating the Philistines, but it all started, and how he got famous was he killed Goliath. Remember how he did it? With a sling and a rock. One rock. He trusted God. He called on God, and he said, God will give me the victory, and he went down, and he slung that rock, and he killed Goliath, the giant that was in front of him with the rock. But look at this. Let's look at another giant that showed up after David was king for around 40 years. Now David's getting old. David's an old man now. And he's still fighting with the army. He's still running down the hill. He's still going and leading the troops. And he's still apparently a pretty tough dude. Because they're still winning and he's still leading. But look what happens. Verse 15 says, Moreover, the Philistine had yet the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. He was so tired. He was wore out. He was old. David waxed faint. And Ishbabinob. That's a cool name. Ishbabinob. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and Ishbabinob, which was of the sons of the giant. Oh, he was related to Goliath. Some people think it was a son or a brother, or it's not really clear, but he was in the same family of Goliath. This dude's been training and waiting for his chance. And being named Ishbabinob, he, he got tough real quick because he got beat up every day at school. Ishbabinob made him tough. It's like a boy named Sue. All right, so the giant was named Ishbabinob, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. That equals out to 80 pounds. His spear weighed 80 pounds. And I don't know about, I was thinking about that as I was reading this story, and 80 pounds is pretty heavy. You think about a big, you can buy like an 80-pound sack of concrete from Home Depot. That's pretty heavy to just move around. We concreted these posts out here a couple weeks ago, an 80-pound sack of concrete, it's pretty heavy to just move it around. Now, to think about picking it up and then throwing it at somebody across the room, even for a spear... Even if I wanted to hit Mike, there's no way I could throw 80 pounds and probably barely get it off the stage from here. That's how big. I just want you to get a picture in your mind of how strong this guy was. This was a strong dude. Big guy. No joke. 
And he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. That was his purpose. He came down there to get revenge and to kill David. I'm going to take him out. Forty years ago, he killed Goliath. I got him now. He's mine. Remember, David killed the last one with a rock. He thought to have slain David. Verse 17 says, But Abishai, there he is again, David's nephew. Abishai, the son of Zeruah, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. And then the men of David swore unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. They said, you're not going to go out to battle anymore. You're getting old. We don't want you. You got a different gift now. We can't afford for you to be gone because you're our king. You're the light of Israel. You're the one that's leading us the way God wants us to go. So we can't afford for you to get killed. In other words, we don't need you to kill the giant. Now, you're not going to go out anymore. Abishai stepped up and killed that giant. We don't talk about that story very much. I just wanted to point out as we close today that the rock didn't work on this giant. So the way you found victory in the past, it may not work now. As you get older and more mature and settled in the things that God called you to do, on purpose, He makes it so you need other people. Because that's part of maturity. David needed Abishai to kill that one. He needed a friend. The rock wasn't good enough anymore. See, at first, when you first get saved, it's you trusting God, believing God. It's, it's David and Goliath. It's that rock, the stone. Like, I trust that my God's big enough, and if God's for me, who could stand against me? I'm, it's, it's me and God. But with maturity, you learn to trust other people. The rock won't work this time. I got to tell you today that there are giants that you can't kill on your own. In your life, you're going to have addictions, you're going to have battles, you're going to have giants, you're going to have things that are going to come up against you that you cannot kill on your own. God set it up that way. We need each other. If you could just do it all on your own, you wouldn't need anybody. You need other people. So stop trying to cut off Jesus' head. You can't separate the head from the body. They're the same. Do you have to go to church to be saved? Nope sure don't you can go to heaven do you have to go to church to grow yep got to be connected you got to be connected somewhere to a body to some people to some belief or you're not going to grow and you're never going to be all that god wants you to be on your own you just can't and if you look at yourself spiritually now and you can't see a difference 
from a year ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago and you're still the same as you were, then something wrong. You're not growing. You're not moving on. You're not progressing. You're not, you're not walking in your call. You're, you're still throwing that rock. You're still trying the same thing. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to, to move on. But to grow, you must be planted. You must be connected to the vine. Being connected. Um, just the growth that I see in myself personally from being connected to you guys and to the body and stuff is a pretty cool thing and I got to see last week without going into a lot of details um, y'all know I wasn't here last week because I was at Trace DS working and, and speaking I was one of the one of the spiritual directors so they'll have four pastors there and uh, I had a couple of different talks and some meditations and things to do last week um, that's why I wasn't here at church. But in me, there are things that I, that I struggle with and that I have struggled with for a long time. And there are, there are insecurities and fears and things that, like just the way I describe it to Jesse is, there's a scared kid inside of me that I hate. And he shows up sometimes in my life when things are hard or when I feel like inadequate or when I feel not good enough or unqualified or he shows up to tell me that I'm not, right? To, to make me scared or to make me think that, what are you doing? What are you, you all that. And after a while, he's not around so much anymore. Almost to the point that I forget about him. I forget about that scared kid. And it's me. You understand. I'm talking about in here. Something that I deal with. It's not a separate person. Don't think I'm crazy. I'm just trying to explain to you guys this. That, that scared kid in my head. That, and so some stuff happened last week. And when I got there Thursday, I felt really just unqualified. Like I shouldn't be there. And like... The other people that were there, you know, one of them was just a really smart guy that's a professor at a Bible college and, and has got all these degrees and got all this stuff memorized and got all these qualifications and all this stuff. And it was really intimidating to me because he wasn't like me. And that's okay. Um, again, we're completely different in the way we speak and in the way, and he was kind of in charge, like he was over me. And so, um, that was messing with me and several other things that we won't go into. But that scared kid showed up that I hadn't heard from in a while. And he started telling me, like, what are you doing here? You, need, you have no business being here. You don't. And, and all the stuff. And as I sat there on my bed and he asked me a bunch of questions and just my theological stance on all kind of stuff and as I sat there on the bed that voice in my head said you could never be him you could never be what he is 
And immediately the Holy Spirit said, He could never be you. And so I said, yeah, it won't be me. It's not Him. <laughs> but I'm going to be me. And so I was me. And the next few days, I, I did me. I did what I'm supposed to do, and it was great. And, and people were ministered to, and a lot of really cool things happened, and God showed Himself. And by the end of the time... Um, Sunday while y'all were having church here we were in a chapel service there and we were doing worship and I didn't even think about that anymore since Thursday when I got there and that happened in my, that battle in my mind and I I didn't even think about it I was just me I ministered I poured out I gave talks I, I did what I was supposed to do my part and Sunday morning we're standing there and worship in that chapel and and the Holy Spirit said, I only had to remind you who you are one time. And to me, I just started crying because I know myself, it used to be a constant. There might have been a 20 times in one day. Uh-uh, keep going. No, you're okay. It might have been 10 times in a service. Like, I'm <laughs> being real. Like, it's not... And, and, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, just simply that, because I know what that means. I only had to remind you one time who you were. And I just stood in that worship service, and we finished out the service, and I talked some. And, and, but I just stood there and cried as I thought about the growth just in myself. It's not a constant battle. It's not a constant reminder anymore because I'm connected to a body and I'm growing spiritually. And I've learned how to hear the voice of my Father. And it just takes one time now. It doesn't take a whole lot of convincing because I know the voice. But we need people and we need to be connected we need a church and a body and we need to plug in so that we can grow so we look different next year than we do this year and in five years and ten years and, and if you were to just disappear and come back in ten years that you'd be like whoa in a good way <laughs> a good whoa like we're all wiser and smarter and more powerful in the kingdom and Lives are healed. Let's pray. God, thank you. God thinks that you're a good father. And that you're a good dad. Thank you that you send your spirit into our hearts. Crying, Abba, Father. I have a daddy. I have a place. I'm called for a purpose. All of us are. God, help us to connect with each other on a deep level. God, help us to intertwine our roots so that when storms hit, we can be strong. God, thank you for relationship. Thank you for setting it up so that we need a body and that we need a church and that we can see you through each other. God, we love you. Thanks for all that you're doing. Continue to grow us up.
and make us look more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have kids that can't.